It is that time again. Tradition rolls around. Believe it or not, we have hit that point in 2020 when we do our back-to-back episodes of Tradition, beginning with State of the Apps. Can you believe it? We're here already? (laughs) I cannot. State of the Apps is the official beginning of the end of the year. And I was completely shocked when we were talking about scheduling for the remainder of the year, and you were like, oh, we've got to do State of the Apps soon. Like, no, we don't. It's the first half of 2020. It can't be time for State of the Apps. Nope. November. December. They're here. You know, it was kind of funny to prepare for this. I listened to last year's episode. Mm-hmm. And there are just whole categories of applications we're not going to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Wiped out. Like, the amount of time that we spent talking about, like, travel Travel tools, apps. Yes, yes. Gone. <laughs> when I was... I, I did the same thing. I listened to the uh, last year's State of the Apps, and it, it, it's it was funny to me how... Even in an episode that in theory is like really self-contained of like, oh, here, what, what applications do you use on your phone and computer to get work done? There, there were so many times I was like, oh, young, naive gray who doesn't know what's coming down the pipe, yeah. right? <laughs> like that happened numerous times. <laughs> and yeah, the, like the travel apps category. And even today when I was going through some of the apps on my phone to make sure I have stuff for the lightning round and like, oh, what are some apps that might not immediately pop to mind? Like, let me, let me dig through all the folders and see what's there. I almost thought, oh, I should create a category of like, apps that i deleted because i'll never need them again and it's like <laughs> run p the the app which tells you when to go to the bathroom in a movie theater is like oh. that's never getting installed on my phone again like yeah. goodbye run p <laughs> like we were comparing our air miles yes yes we compared our air miles using flighty yes well uh, well actually i mean i guess in theory, we could compare air miles again for this year. It's just the numbers would be really small. Yeah. Well, actually, you know what, though, Gray? Mine are not as small as I would have thought. Okay. Which is kind of weird. So last year, so this is using an application called Flighty, which otherwise we were not going to talk about today, but is an app that we both <laughs> really like, but it's for tracking flights, which is not a thing that neither me or Gray are doing. That doesn't mean nobody's doing them. Of course, some people are still flying. Uh, so if you are looking for a flight tracker, you can go for it. So in 2019, I racked up 47,679 miles flown around the world. In 2020, I did 16,985. Oh, okay. So what were, your, what were your flights that you got in? Well, so I went to LA, which definitely helped. Right, of course. And then I had multiple trips to Romania. So we had to go back and forth from Romania a few times. Mm. And that ended up racking up some flights there. So it wasn't a lot, but I was surprised to see that it was like, I don't know, a third just over a third right okay let me uh oh all right i forgot about one okay so in 2019 my vastly less impressive number was 23,000 miles or my my point nine times around the world that i was determined to keep under one but i am quite shocked that my 2020 numbers were 0.4 times around the world Ooh. at 11,000 miles I forgot I did one business trip to Germany in January, and then the one real trip that I did 
was I went out to Colorado, good old Denver, Colorado, to the weed research lab. The weed place. <laughs> yes. And so I, I, I went there. I flew back. That, like that's added basically what all of the miles are. And then I arrived home on late February and went immediately into lockdown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Didn't expect we would actually talk about flighty. If you are traveling, flighty is a great app to track your flights, but don't fly. Hey, Gray, I want to I wanna do a bet with you now, because now when it comes to November 2021, we're both going to listen back to this episode, right? Right. So 2021's flighty stats, higher or lower than 2020? What do you think? I'm going to bet higher. Ooh, bold. I'm going to bet higher. That's That's my bet. Okay, I'm going to go... Okay, I'm going to go with higher too for one reason, mm-hmm. which is if we are able to start taking long haul flights again, mm-hmm. i.e. that we feel comfortable to do it, we have a pretty big first massive vacation planned that if we do it, we'll be going to Hawaii again. Oh, yeah. Okay, right. So that's so, going to so wreck you those know miles for sure. Right. Yeah, we've decided like we were going to wait because we went to Hawaii for our honeymoon. And we were mm-hmm. going to wait for our fifth anniversary to go back. But then, you know, having not been able to go anywhere for a long period of time and we'll continue to not be able to go anywhere for a long period of time, we decided that our first big vacation is going to be going to Hawaii again. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. I think that's a good decision. Yeah. I think, I think that's a really good decision. That, like, we want to repeat our best vacation. I approve of this 100%. For, for me... Hawaii is a horrible nightmare land (laughs) that I never want to go to. But for every other person on Earth, Hawaii never fails to disappoint. Mm -hmm. So, like, I think that's a that's a really good call to not wait. Well, technically, Hawaii doesn't disappoint you either, (laughs) because you know what you're gonna get, and you don't like it. It still feels disappointing, but yes, um, yeah. If the world had been the way it was, I think it would be right to like save that special location mm-hmm. but that's a good that's a good call to do i'm really happy to hear that i think that's a good decision so that will be like if that'll be our first major vacation like genuinely we're hoping that we'll be able to take some kind of trips in europe before mm-hmm. a, a, a bigger jump as that but we'll see so mm. i think if we if we look at this as like our optimistic view going into 2021 then i would say that mine would be higher too because we're looking to make a a, a very long haul flight yeah, I feel like my calculation here is not exactly optimism, but it's regression toward the mean. And so I figure this year has got to be the lowest number of air miles I have flown. I mean, maybe since I moved to London. That might not be right. literally true, but it's very close. It's got to be one of the longest periods without you going home, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So so that that's, that's the only thing I'm trying to think of is maybe my first year of teaching i might have gone home once and that would make it the least year just when you're trying to do like calculations you've always got to figure out what's the base rate and it's like the base rate of flying this year is is the lowest it's been in a long time so just like knowing nothing else the smart bet is the motion of this number will go back to what the average is and I do also think, like, if I'm going to fly at all, the probability of a long-haul flight being in there would be extremely high. 
And so one trip to the West Coast blows a trip to Colorado out of the water. So I think I'm betting on being higher. Right, I get it. Because if you're going to take the risk, you're more likely to take the risk to see your mom and dad than you are to like go have a meeting in New York or whatever. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Right. Or or just like business trips in Europe, I'm not going to do. But if Mm -hmm. I'm going to get on a plane, the, the question of... Is that plane going to America is almost certainly like 100% is the probability okay. of like, if I'm getting on a plane, where is my destination? That's my thoughts about it. I, I'm really glad that you asked this because this does make me feel slightly more optimistic and I hadn't quite thought about it in this way. But yeah, I feel I feel very solid that the, the safe bet for both of us is more. The only way is up, baby. Yeah, <laughs> the only way is up. Thus concludes the travel section of (laughs) the unexpected travel section. (laughs) Oh dear. All right, before we get into the rest of State of the Apps, including explaining what State of the Apps is, in case you have no idea what we've been talking about up until this point, uh, I want to give everybody a reminder about CortexMerch.com. CortexMerch.com. The subtle tea and subtle sweater are available still until December 1st. Thank you so much if you've bought one. Uh, If you want to get one of the very tasteful, classy, embroidered t-shirts that we make, or sweaters, you can get them now in a selection of new colors. We have the original blue, a new black option, and a red or burgundy option for the t-shirt and sweater. These are available until December 1st. And then uh, they'll be gone again for for a while. So if you want to grab one, grab one. I put my order in for mine. I'm excited to get my colors in so it no longer looks like I wear the same sweater every day. <laughs> yes. And, and this reminder to the listeners, Mike is also gently reminding me because I, I always forget until the last second of like, oh, yep. God, I've got to put in an order. Yep. I did mention to Gray <laughs> earlier that I would not be doing what I did for him last year, which was to put them back on sale three weeks later purely so he could buy them again. Uh, that is not going to happen for Gray yeah. nor anybody else. So if you want a subtlety, you can go and get them. But it is worth noting at CortexMerch.com, we do have a selection of products that are always in stock. These mm-hmm. are our original lines. So it's the original logo tee, the original hoodie, which is a fantastic hoodie. So yeah, you can go and get those at any time. We have a small number of pins available as well. So that stuff's available at CortexMerch.com at any time. Uh, but if you want to get the subtle tee or subtle sweater, you only have until the 1st of December to do it. Yeah, and the sweater is great. Uh, when I crank my uh, my office down to freezing levels of air conditioning, I'm often using one of the subtle sweaters to keep me keep me alive in my frigid working temperatures i love it this is very interesting to me why do you (laughs) bring the temperature down and then just put more clothes on mike look aren't you the one who was saying like oh you need the bedroom cold because that's what the duvet is for it's the it's the same philosophy right the that that's what the that's what the subtle sweater is for okay working in freezing cold conditions Look, if it means that more people will buy sweaters, then I will endorse <laughs> this thinking, but I'm still not completely on board with it. Yeah, so anyway, in, in my closet, I've got eight of the blue subtle sweaters, I think, and now I'm going to pick up some of, the, some of the black and burgundy, so there's also a little bit of variety in my life. So this is our fourth year for State of the Apps. This all started many years ago when you wrote a blog post and then we ended up turning it into a regular feature on the podcast where we take a look at the applications that we use mostly to get our work done 
We talk about what we like about them, what we don't like about them, and how sometimes, and this year will definitely be one of those times, how trends in our working lives affect the tools that we use. Mm. Um, Last year, we started a tradition of sharing our home screens at this time. Now, that would have been when we would have shared our home screen, but we spoke about it recently with widgets and showed off our iPhone home screens and the concept of widgets. But I thought what we could do this time is show off our iPad home screens, which I think is more useful for this anyway, because there's typically more apps on show and we can't pollute them with widgets as we maybe would want. So uh, <laughs> shall we? who wants to go first? I, I think I should go first okay. because, because here, here's the thing with, with iPad stuff is... As you correctly last year pointed out, there's really only two ways to run an iPad. There's the boring way and there's the exciting way. And you go the exciting way yeah. and I go the boring way. So I'm sending you a screenshot that I took this morning on my research iPad, which is the more interesting of the two iPads, Whoa. but it's still super boring. Whoa! What has happened to you this year? What do you mean? The background. Oh, no, I feel like this is this is still the same. What do you mean the same as what? Uh, I guess, I don't know if I've shared the research iPad screens. I don't know. I, I often like to try to have something that's more interesting on the research iPad. It was like a winterscape last year. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, I know. Okay, I know exactly the wallpaper. I know what the situation was. Yes, that was also, I think it's because I was in a location as well where I was like, oh, I want to feel all wintry. Let me have a winter winter background. Uh, were you on location for that episode? I think I must have been, been, or yeah, I may have recently been, which is why I had the iPad wallpaper that way. I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, yes, the, the wallpaper that Mike is seems to be completely shocked by is just one of the standard Apple wallpapers that they have for iPads, mm-hmm. which just is some... Some blue paint swirls with a little bit of, with a dash of orange. Is it space orange? Who knows? Uh, on the screen. <laughs> and I don't know, for, for the research iPad, which is the one that I do like actual real work on, I do like to have it be visually obviously different from the other. And uh-huh. I don't know, research is, I mean, I say research iPad, but it is still creative work in some sense so i i feel like it's a thematically appropriate wallpaper yeah your your reaction was way overblown it was surprising i expected to see either i don't know a really dark screen or a winter landscape again so i'm gonna share my ipad with you now and then i think okay, show me. we should talk about our categories of apps and then maybe we can come back to seeing if there's anything on these that that we still want to ask questions about Okay, show me what you got, Mike. All right. This should be very familiar. I, d- I don't think my iPad changes very much. Okay, I've got the Mike iPads. You have your uh, your wallpaper wallpaper again, mm-hmm. the one that I, wallpaper, I really wallpaper. like there. Mm-hmm. The photo of a wallpaper with the, with the leaves looks nice. Looks less nice on the iPad, but that's mostly, again, the iPad's fault for yeah. iPads don't let you make things look nice. Nope. It's not the wallpaper's fault, it's the, the iPad's fault. The way to make fault. an iPad look nice is to do what you did, but I don't. It's well known. I like app icons on my home screens, you know? Yes, and and without a doubt, the thing that I'm doing is completely kneecapping the functionality of the iPad for aesthetics. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, yours is vastly more functional. Boy, this like okay, so you have a ton of icons as normal. There is one that catches my eye immediately, 
which is you have YouTube Studio on your home screen. Oh my of god, apps? are we doing this again? <laughs> did, did this happen again last Didn't time? Didn't you say you listened to the last episode? I did. Did you talk about YouTube Studio? You then? said to me last year, YouTube Studio? Why do you have that? And I said to you, as I said last time, Gray, I operate our fantastic YouTube channel from YouTube Studio, which is the Cortex YouTube channel, where you may think as you're listening to the show, why would I want to subscribe to the Cortex YouTube channel? Well, whilst we do upload the audio of the shows to our YouTube page, we also upload the wonderful Cortex animated series by H.M. Boutet, which you should definitely go and consume yes. because those videos are absolutely fantastic. So you should go and watch those. So yes, you can try and maybe palm this <laughs> off as good promotion for our YouTube channel. No, it was not intentional but at all. you did this exact same thing last time. I, I feel like my brain must be completely resistant to the YouTube studio there because I, I guess whenever I see it I, I think about oh Mike doesn't do those fun vlogs anymore mm-hmm. so why is there YouTube studio like that's just what pops into my head every single time so, I just okay. like how predictable you are I guess because <laughs> you mean it was like again it was not, you said oh that really sticks out to me why do you have YouTube studio there well, I mean, I mean, that shouldn't be surprising. Humans are deterministic systems, and if presented with the same input, they're going to give you the same output. So okay. like, that's not remotely surprising. So we'll do this again next year, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Cortex is brought to you by FreshBooks. Look, as a self-employed individual, as a freelancer, time is of the most importance because your time is your money. Ultimately, that's how you go about making your living is using your time to do the work that you want to do. So wouldn't it be a great thing if you could save a bunch of time? That's what FreshBooks can do. FreshBooks with their super simple cloud accounting software can simplify your invoicing, your expense tracking and getting paid. FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork and they do it with their fantastic tools. For example, when you email an invoice to a client, FreshBooks can show you if they've seen it. So you no longer have to guess and query and send those follow-up emails. They take care of all of that stuff so you don't have to. They also can automate late payment email reminders so you don't actually have to spend that time chasing. So, you know, you can see if they've seen it, but it doesn't mean that they're going to pay it on time. Well, FreshBooks can send email reminders to your clients for you, again, so you don't have to. Look, if you are somebody who sends invoices to anyone and you've yet to try out FreshBooks, you really, really should. They are offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial to listeners of this show with no credit card required. Just go to FreshBooks.com com slash cortex and enter cortex in the how did you hear about us section our thanks to fresh books for their support of this show and relay fm all right should we start jumping into some of our categories sure so we typically break this down into two large sections being productivity applications and writing and research applications and we also do a lightning round and we may touch on some other things there and we mostly focus on these areas because these are the typical areas where we have some level of overlap in our work. Mm. So productivity, obviously, is a thing that we thinking look at a lot. And one of the big changes in my productivity system this year is my move to OmniFocus. Yes, yeah, so this, this, I'm, I'm curious for a little bit of a retrospective here, because, yeah. I mean, again, like, spoiler alert, I'm still using OmniFocus. I'm wow. sure no, no one is surprised by this piece of information. So, I'm, like, I'm just curious what, your experience has been with this and what 
you think of it as the as the relative noob to this app of the two of us yeah i mean i had used omnifocus in the past but i i came back to it about six months ago this is something that more texans already know if you subscribe to more I, I spoke about it when i switched uh, back in june mm-hmm. and at the time the reason that i made the switch was because i wanted to try something new out and omnifocus had been recently updated and, and i liked the visuals of it uh, and our friend Federico had been working with his partner Sylvia on a selection of custom icons for OmniFocus, called mm-hmm. perspective icons. So you could like change the iconography inside of the application, and all of that just seemed really nice to me. So I thought, all right, I'll give it, I'll give OmniFocus a go again. And I was also looking to rebuild kind of my organization system for tasks. And I figured if I was going to do it, I might as well do it in a new application. You know, like wrap all of these things up in one. Yeah. And ultimately, the system that I ended up with was having still two kind of buckets, but standardizing them more across my time tracking and my task management. So to kind of give that a little bit more context, I have like these large tasks that I do, and then sometimes we'll add tags to those tasks right? Like that's typically what I'll do. So I'll have a project Mm -hmm. and then I'll add a tag. And the tags in my time tracking system are just the names of the shows that I do. Everything else is a project, right? So sponsors is a project, membership is a project, podcast recording is a project. And if a show is directly related to that project, I'll tag it with that. And that was what I thought I wanted to go with. This ended up being annoying (laughs) to do in Mm -hmm. OmniFocus because it was too many taps to get anything done. Mm -hmm. so what i ended up doing was because this was where omnifocus actually came to help me a little bit here where i realized i don't need projects and tags i need perspectives and tags Mm -hmm. right so this is the great thing that omnifocus does is basically allows you to create saved searches or filters with lots of parameters and then you can name them and save them and they look like basically big buckets that you can put tasks into And then with the added benefit of allowing some tasks to appear in multiple perspectives, which I really like. So what I have now is everything has tags, everything's tags. So I'll have all of my kind of big projects are tags, all of my regular projects are tags, all of my shows are tags, right? Mm -hmm. And then I will just add multiple tags per item, depending on what it is that I'm doing. And then if I want to drill down into just specific areas, I've created a selection of perspectives that filter out those tags and show me tasks. So, for example, I have a Cortex perspective and I have a Cortex plus Cortex brand perspective because sometimes I want to see the tasks that are for the show and for our company, right? And so I can see them all in one place which would have been tricky to do in other applications, I think. And mm. So OmniFocus has been really good for that. So I like the organization of it. I've always really loved the forecast view. I know that this isn't a thing that you use, but I've always really loved OmniFocus's forecast view. And I'm happy to have that back because it, it kind of works the way that I would like it to work. I vastly prefer the OmniFocus iOS apps to the macOS app visually and functionally yeah i can understand that not a big fan of the omnifocus mac app it honestly feels like a different application the ios and ipad app feel the same but the mac app feels like another company made it it's really weird to me so i don't use the mac app very much 
mainly the Mac app is just I check things off or I add something if I've forgotten to add something before, you know, like something just pops into my head and I have to add it now, but most of this stuff is done on iOS. Mm. But I actually do not use the OmniFocus task entry UI on any of my platforms. So on the Mac, I use the quick entry function. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Which you told me to do. And that's definitely the way to add tasks on the Mac. Going into the app and selecting new tasks, it's, it's too many clicks for me to get something added. Yeah, it's quick entry or bust on the Mac for sure. And then I created a shortcut to do this on iOS. I basically created my own quick entry, which I, I really like that shortcut. It works really, really well for me. So all it does is it says, like, what's the name of the task? When is it due? What tags do you want to assign? And that's mm-hmm. it. And it's really quick. And with the way that shortcuts works with this kinds of stuff now, on my iPhone, it's nice and quick to do. And on my iPad, I can do it all just from Spotlight. And it never leaves the app that I'm in. So that really works for me. So I would say that I'm mostly happy with OmniFocus. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Todoist has been getting really good. What does really good mean? Like, what have they added? They've been adding lots of features. Their widgets are amazing. They've created a lot of really clever widgets. Like, for example, there's one widget that you can configure that you tap it and it will open to the task entry with a bunch of preset things filled in for you. Hmm. So like you could set say like you had a widget that was for cortex tasks or whatever, you could tap it and it will prefill with projects and tags and all that kind of stuff all prefilled. They've also uh created their Kanban system now that's in the application. So mm. being able to see your projects as a is in a Kanban view. So Todoist is is doing a lot of things. So I don't know. I would be surprised if I get through all of 2021 without trying out Todoist again. But at the moment, I feel pretty pretty comfortable with with my OmniFocus usage. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting about adding a Kanban view because that is one thing I'll usually do it on the Mac app, but rearranging a bunch of projects is always a little bit it's not that it's clunky on OmniFocus, but it's it's there's something about just seeing the the list of things where it doesn't quite work mentally for me sometimes. And I'm trying to think about like which of these projects am I focusing on? And it is the thing where sometimes I, I think like the writing app I talked about last year that I switched away from Scrivener has this feature where it's like, oh, you can have a list of things or you can see them as a as a bunch of cards and you can rearrange the cards. And when you're done rearranging the cards, the list will will show the way that it's been rearranged. Like, I imagine that's the kind of thing that Todoist is doing. Like, you can have a list and then you can rearrange it in a Kanban system. Yep. And then still see it back as a list. Like, Correct. As dumb as it sounds, like, what's the difference between looking at a list versus looking at a bunch of squares with the same names as the things on the list? It's like, I don't know. It's just different in my brain. And yeah. that is one thing that I do wish sometimes with OmniFocus, like... I just like to rearrange these things in a different way. So I think uh, that does sound like a pretty good feature for Todoist to add. I still use things for some large projects like posting Cortex. It's still still what I use things for. Right. And I'm never going to give due up. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> never going to give it up? Mm-mm. Never going to let it down? Never going to run around and never going <laughs> to desert it. <laughs> <laughs> 
You weren't expecting that, were you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that, that wasn't. I, I don't think I could have gotten the rest of the lyrics off the top of my head like that. <laughs> so I could get it started. That's all I could do. Yeah, I, you know, for, for the things that I used you for, you know, like take your pills, call your mm-hmm. mom, like they're just the types of things that they're such low level tasks and the way that I want to be alerted about them is so different to any other task in my life. That idea of tell me and they keep telling me until I mark it complete. Yeah. It's perfect and the application is just nice and it's updated enough and it, you know, I, I'm never going to find something I think that's going to do what I want for me in that way better because sometimes you get to a certain point of an application where you and the app you are completely in sync mm-hmm. with what's going on. So you have a thing you want to do, you find an app for it, and then as the app is updated over time, the way that you're doing that work just goes hand in hand with the way that the app is evolving. Right. So at a certain right. point, so many things have to happen for a competitor to want to move you away. It has to, one, completely match your current system, and then two, offer you something that you didn't know you wanted. Mm-hmm. And that's really difficult. And so an application like Dew, which is in essence so simple, but that can be the difficult thing of trying to move you away because if something's super simple, its feature set is just pure, right? Mm. And it's not a complex task, so you don't really feel the need to want to move away. And that's where I am with Dew at this point. I just don't think anything's ever going to shake me for that, for the tasks that I use that for. It's very simple stuff. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And and that's the same split that I have, you know, again, still using OmniFocus for basically everything. Do is great for the harass me reminder stuff. I don't use things for a separate big project. Every once in a while, if I want to kind of like, I don't know, brainstorm a little bit about a project, I'll, I'll boot up things as like a clear piece of paper in, yep. in a way, but I don't really use it as an, as an actual app. Again, I think maybe the thing that's different this year as compared to last year is that with the redesign of reminders on iOS that my default recommendation for people would be to use that. Like if I don't know anything about a person, I think I'd say like, oh, go with reminders, use that as a default app and you will or won't very quickly run into limitations. And then based on what you feel are the limitations of that, you can figure out what to do app would work best for you. But yeah, I, th- I think like for most people looking to try a task management kind of app, I would say like just start with the inbuilt reminders. It's much better now and is probably a good solution for at least 50% of people. So when it comes to note taking, I feel like I got to ask you first. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> and and again, it's like going having gone through what we've been through over the last few months, I can't believe <sighs> that note taking has been a thing that we've spoken about multiple times in state of the apps and you had your uh-huh. answers for it. But I still I still didn't know your <laughs> note taking secret. There were, no, there was no note taking secret. This this again is just human communication is hard. Yeah. And when I was listening to last year's episode, having gone through the Tikoi incident this year, and then having had our discussion about notes, what even are they? Mm-hmm. It was also clear a number of times in that conversation where it's like Mike is not 
hearing what I'm intending to be saying with this sentence. And so there were, it's just funny to, to listen to that and think, you know, like, it can't go the other way that you weren't hearing what I was saying either. You know, it's not just on me. No, 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 no. I don't, I, don't, I don't mean that it's on you. What I mean is like, we'll get to it later, but in particular, when I'm talking about Ulysses in that, it's like, oh, I'm clearly just talking in my mind about the way that notes are weird for me, but none mm. of this is being communicated to Mike. Right. Right? Like, that. that's what I mean by that. Not like, you're failing to understand. The conversation is actually almost completely absent the concept of notes as people think right. of them. Yeah. But there were still times where I was like discussing this and I know now like, oh, I see where this got totally messed up. <sighs> okay. So the note, the note taking saga quest situation, <laughs> situation. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's going well then. <laughs> no, no. I'll, I just assumed that you would go first and then I could, I could try to like plan this, plan this better. Nope. But okay. So I've been using obsidian which I've mentioned on the show a few times. Mm-hmm. And again, I really love it. I, I really, really do. And I'll, I'll say again, I am, I am not in the business of giving app of the year awards. That's something, that's something you do. That's something the upgradees do. Like I just, this is not a category that really exists for me, but if I was giving an app of the year award, 100% it would go to obsidian. No, no question about it. Like, I, I think it's... <laughs> what are you laughing at there, Mike? <laughs> I have no doubt that it is a good app. Like, <laughs> I know, not only do you love it, our friend David Sparks loves it as well. Mm. But when I look at it, I can't conceive of it. <laughs> well, I mean, this again is... We're, we're brushing up another, like, human communication is hard and brains are different situation. Yeah. Because again, this is an app that is based entirely on words and writing, like like endless just words and writing. This is the only thing that the interface even is. Is like, do you like words? Great, we got a lot of them over here at Obsidian. Like that's all this is is just a bunch of words. There's a bigger question here, which is a bit like, what is the notes system that I have? I don't yet have a good notes system in the way that people mean this okay right i can't say like oh here's how i make my notes but still the reason that i love obsidian is for all of the projects since the tcoy incident i've been using it to try and write notes on those topics and obsidian again allows incredibly free form writing where again in in my head i think it makes sense to think of it as just like the closest you can get digitally to sitting at a table with a bunch of index cards and just writing on those index cards in whatever order and rearranging them like the user interface is fantastic for allowing you to just rearrange a bunch of these cards and to make it trivially simple to to make new cards and also to make little connections between the cards i think many people who use the app get totally derailed by the connections and focus on that part of it too much but the connections are still useful for being like oh yeah this thing goes to here and that thing goes to there so i still don't have a clear system for the notes but one of the ways that obsidian has proved 
really useful to me is as the app which can help prime the pump of writing. And so, you know, often the hard part with writing is getting started with it. And so this is like one of the tricks that I use for myself is it's one of the reasons why I talk stuff out loud a lot is because it can be hard to sit down at a computer and just open up a script and be like, okay, I'm going to work on this script. And then you go, oh, well, where exactly? What am I going to... You, you can get derailed by these little details. But if you tell yourself, just start reading it out loud from the top, within seconds, you're going to find things that you're like, oh, this needs to be changed. This needs to be smoother, whatever. But in order to do that, you have to have a relatively coherent script to be able to read it out loud. It takes a while to get to the point where there's like readable paragraphs. So before that stage, Obsidian is really useful because I can use it in the similar situation where I sit down and I go, I don't have to write a script. But what I am going to do is I'm just going to add some information on this little pile of index cards that I have that's related to whatever this topic is. And so that is that is extremely useful to me to be able to say like, okay, I'm working on Project Rosalind. Here's the five index cards that I have on it. Just open them up and add stuff to this. Or like there's a way in Obsidian where you can mark little like to-do boxes. And so sometimes I'll, I'll add like a little to-do which says, you know, oh, find more information about this. Or like here's this document that you need to read. So it's a useful way to start quote like writing a project without the intimidation of i am working on the script and then very frequently what happens is within an hour of doing this i tend to naturally then transition into writing the actual script because it's a bit like okay i've been booting up all this information in my brain and there's some things that I want to start writing that are going to be the actual script. So this is why Obsidian has proved tremendously useful to me, even without having yet settled on what are like the formal rules for how this is supposed to work within my system relating to notes. So that is why I absolutely love it. And it is also why in some sense, the note taking quest is still a failure. I haven't accomplished that part, but I'm still in a much more useful place than I was before. I think fundamentally, I still don't understand what you consider, quote, a note to be. <laughs> um. Okay, so I, I guess what I would say here is that the distinction for what goes in Obsidian is they are much more purely factual statements. Right, okay, but yeah, 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 so this is what I need to understand. I think we're going back to Atomic Notes again. Right. Which is fine, but I, I still just want to get it, right? So when I call <laughs> which, which something... Which is fine, but you're exhausted. <laughs> yeah. When I call something a note, right? So like I have a note called Cortex Follow-Up, right? And in that note goes links, thoughts, bullet points, lists, all kinds of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But it is related to anything to do with follow-up for the show. And then when I sit down to start prepping the show and putting things into our Google Doc, I refer to the Cortex follow-up note that I have in Apple Notes. 
and mm-hmm. that's kind of where I get all my information from. Mm-hmm. But it c- kind of sounds like that's not what a quote note is for you. Like it's something different. Yeah. So, so what you're saying, like the word I would use to describe that is I would say that's a list, like that's a running list of things. But it can also be paragraphs of text, though. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand that. But okay, when, like, cool. when I look at our show notes, right, which we call show notes, yeah. that, that in my brain is much more like, here's a list of things. Right. And okay. like, we may discuss some of these things, we may not, but they're all like headers for jumping off points of conversation. Right. But my notes app also includes things that don't look like that, but I still consider them notes. So I might have like larger pieces of text which are relating to a project that I'm working on. Like it's it's quite different. Mm. Yeah. I, so when I'm talking about notes in the context of writing a script, what I mean is is really here are all of the factual building blocks out of which a piece of writing can be constructed on top of. Like, that's that's the distinction. Right, okay. And you see, though, it's still not there. What is the <laughs> minimum amount of text that you would consider to be, quote, a note? Uh, I mean, a single sentence could be a note. Right. Th- this, again, and is... why... It, yeah. Okay. Why... Would you create a single note for just one piece of text? Why would it not go with something else? So the reason for that is because you don't know ahead of time which index cards are going to have lots of stuff on them and which aren't. Sure. This also goes back to the whole concept of talking about writing in terms of outlines, where it always seemed ridiculous to me. Like, oh, you just outlined the project before you write it. It is like, yeah. Great, thanks. That helps me not at all. Because all, all I need to do is know the structure in advance of the thing that I'm trying to create, which mm-hmm. is the hard part. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's the same way with notes, where I don't know in advance which of these notes are going to end up being bigger and which are going to be smaller. And lots of them end up being just a single sentence or two. But that's just through pure happenstance. You're, every note that you create has the possibility to be more, but it's just yes. this note just ends up being this one thing. So a note could be, for example, this statue or this treaty, but it turns out you only needed one thing on that, but you thought when you set it up, maybe there's more to this. Yes, exactly. So like, okay. I'm just I'm clicking through my Obsidian thing right now, and it's like I have a note which is titled the Senate nuclear option, and then... The, uh, the entire piece of information on here is a procedural move to reduce the number of votes needed from a supermajority to a simple majority. The end, right? And the, re- like, the reason that never got expanded is because I realized very quickly, oh God, this is awful and so boring and so complicated that I do not wish to put any more information about this like in in a script that I'm going to end up writing. It's like, if this thing gets mentioned... This is about the level of detail that I actually care to ever mention it. And mm-hmm. in the the final video that I did on this topic, I don't ever I never even mention this level of detail, which is my note on what the Senate nuclear option is. I just reference it in passing and and move on. But I don't know in advance that I'm only going to want this one 
sentence, mm-hmm. right? This could end up being like a multi-paragraph thing. Yep. So that's why they can end up being small. And it seems sort of ridiculous to have a bunch of things that are a single sentence. But again, this is where Obsidian is really good, where, you know, like on a full screen iMac, I can open up the app and I can easily have... 16 of these little index cards all open at the same time and see them all quite easily. And that is one of the really nice features of this. And it's why I keep saying it's like having a bunch of index cards. And so when I'm like priming the pump, I can open up Obsidian, have a bunch of these little notes around and very naturally feel like, let me expand on this one or let me look into this one a bit more and start adding some information to it or not. And like, that's the way to like prime the pump for writing of getting, getting started of like, Oh, maybe this one does need me to investigate it a bit more. Or, you know, maybe this one I can see, I left a task for future me to fill in a detail about this. So I'm starting to get this more now. The difference between the two of us, it's not fundamental. It is organizational. So, if I was doing what you were doing, right? If mm-hmm. I was right doing a video script or whatever, I would have a note and a bunch of headers in that note. And I would add information to the headers. Mm-hmm. That's just how I would work. Previously, I've struggled to understand what you even kind of meant about recording the information. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can get that more now, and I can see that we're, we will be t- recording typically similar types of information, we would just store them differently. Where, like, it would be madness for me personally to have so many, quote, notes related to one thing, where mm-hmm. I would have one note, <laughs> not one note, I would have right, yes. a singular <laughs> note where I would keep all of the information in it. And would move it around. Yeah, and I, you're totally right. And I think this is this also gets to the thing we were talking about last time with notes about this concept of, oh, the, there's different apps for different people and a huge amount of what they're about is how they structure things. And so the, the way you're talking about it sounds to me much more like you are creating a thing that would be more like a traditional outline but you're just growing it in a more organic way. And then that feels like, yes, if you're doing that, then Rome or Notion might be more the tools that you would want to use. They, they sort of, in their interface, are biased more in that direction than yeah. something like Obsidian is. Okay, what's, I mean, what's in, that? Uh, well, in theory, yeah, but they won't get out of my way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean forget that part of it. But like what you're talking about for this sort of thing, you could reproduce on a single piece of A4 paper, like you're writing headings and subheadings, right? Whereas when I'm working on it, if someone gave me that A4 paper, I'd immediately want to cut it up into lots of smaller segments and and move it around Mm -hmm. and be like, I don't don't need this whole piece of paper. In fact, I don't want the restriction of the whole piece of paper. I want lots of little pieces of paper that are each going to contain smaller bits of information that I can move around or group together over here or, or group together over there. Which I think puts you, weirdly, more in this new school of, quote, content blocks than me yeah for sure for sure it does and the other thing that's that's just different here which again is a new addition to the workflow since the tcoy incident is the process of explicitly creating a bunch of these little notes as an intermediate step between the primary sources and the script 
that's part of what's new here and why I think of this as like right. priming the pump. Yeah, because you are taking the information and putting it into your system rather than yes. when you write the script trying to rely on remembering something from the original document. Yeah, or like, yeah, like I used to have, you know, Evernote is open next to my writing app and yeah. it's like, okay, I'm just skimming through or I'm looking at the highlights or whatever. So, so that's why Obsidian is existing as this layer between primary source and script. And it's, it's also why like I don't have a system because I'm also treating it quite fluidly like i'm i'm just i'm not bothering with a lot of the heavy burdensome stuff about like let me link every note to the exact primary source and put yeah. it in a taxonomy of hierarchy like i don't need to do that yeah. and also that's too heavy weight when i haven't really decided what the system is mm -hmm. so again that's why this is just like a virtual stack of index cards that i'm rearranging and writing sentences on and where are those sentences coming from they're coming from me reading the primary sources and then immediately adding something to an index card and that's also why the index cards have variable sizes because i don't know in advance which are going to be big ones and which are going to be small ones is the text only entered into Obsidian? Or do you put text in in another way and organize it in Obsidian? I'm writing directly into Obsidian. Okay. Again, it's a Mac-only app. I'm just having it open on my Mac and I'm entering the text in there directly. That's the way this happens. But how does that work with the, quote, research iPad? So, yeah, okay. So the... the <laughs> All right, so there there is an additional <laughs> app here, which is, which is on my list, which is a... I feel like an oldie but goodie, which is... One writer, uh -huh. which is a markdown app for iOS. And just by happenstance, the way One Writer happens to work with Dropbox and markdown files lines up perfectly with Obsidian. So that if I need to add something to a note that is in my Obsidian database, which really is just a bunch of Dropbox files that are all markdown files, and I am on my iPad. I can use OneWriter to add to any existing index card that's there. Right. That makes sense then. I don't do that a lot, but every once in a while I do that. And it's it's nice to be able to have as an option. Yeah, I know I would really be adverse to a note-taking tool, which is an idea tool sometimes, as well as research tool, mm -hmm. that I could only access from one of my machines. Yeah. And again, it is the biggest frustration by far, and it, but it shows like how much I like this app that I'm, I'm willing to put up with it. Mm. When I say my, so when I say research iPad, I do mean this in a slightly different sense, which is just that maybe like investigation iPad might be a better word for this, but I use that a lot for the like the more exploratory phase of looking into projects or just trying to find stuff. Um, and so I'll often have like a Safari window on that research iPad, which has 40 tabs open that are related to some video project, for example. Sure, sure, sure. And, and I, I try really hard to keep all of that like whenever I'm investigating something to explicitly take the research iPad, like find the Safari window that's related to this project and like expand from there. And then there's another phase, which is when I'm priming the pump, kind of like going through those tabs, adding stuff into Obsidian and trying to like close them down. So, you know, you have, you have like expansion and contraction. 
There is one thing. Uh, I don't think this is possible, but I would love to know if anybody has figured out a way that you can not have like iCloud tabs, but is there any way to force Safari to maintain state across different devices? Like I would always want Safari on my Mac to be the same tabs and things no. as Safari on my that iPad. That is a world you're never, I don't, can't imagine you're ever going to get. That sounds wild. I know you say that, but I, I have this feeling in the back of my head of like, surely this is accomplishable with javascript or something like there's there's a way in which um, if, if i just run a script or oh, a shortcut okay. before i open can i like force sync safari to always be the same i don't know if i can but i feel like if that's possible if anyone can figure out a way to do it i am willing to run a shortcut or a script before i launch safari on any device if it can force state across all devices all right, if you're willing to do that, I'm sure there's a way to do it. Yeah, see, now now it feels like it might be tantalizing. Well, because I thought you were just talking about some, like, mirrored syncing system, you know, where it automatically does it for you. I don't expect this is something Apple's ever going to do, and Apple would be the one who would need to do it. But I just, I just wonder, it's like, there's got to be a way with JavaScript that I can read the state of all of the tabs and, like, save them into a bookmark folder and have that folder opened up on another device or whatever. Like, there's got to be a way to do that. That seems more possible. But so, yes, there, there we go. Notes. Obsidian. Love it. It's great. It's great for priming the pump. If anyone out there is a writer, I, I feel like this is a sort of, a, like, a, just a new tool to look for in your own workflow which is which is not that you're writing but that you're pre-writing tool like maybe that's just a thing to keep an eye out for and and i feel like obsidian is this kind of thing that i didn't know could exist in the workflow and has proved uh extremely helpful so app of the year even though i don't give app of the year I still use Apple Notes as i mentioned for basically all of my note taking now mike what do you mean by a note I already told you. You can try and make this joke already, but I have already told you in the episode. And somebody asked recently, I think it was on Reddit, how I organize my notes. Because mm-hmm. like Apple Notes has folders and stuff. I don't do this. So I don't really have any organization structure to my notes. They're just like they're just sorted by modification date, which most of the time is all I need. Like I am typically only really adding and removing from about six or seven notes at a time. Like, that's what I'm going into most. So most Mm -hmm. of the time, I open notes, and what I want is within view. But other than that, I just search to get what I need. Can you give me a couple examples of what you mean by the six or seven? Like, what what are your most frequent notes that you're willing to share? So right, I'll actually give you a rundown now. So I have Cortex follow-up, 2021 yearly theme, upgrade follow-up, connected follow-up, streaming gear research, MacBook Pro thoughts, upgrades 2020, panatic mm. follow up. Like that's my list as it's going down, right? Okay. okay. And so in here are notes I use every single week, which is all of those follow up notes. That that's basic for me that just means like it is where all the links go, all the additional thoughts go, where I write out some basic ideas for topics for shows every week. Then there's also in there some like 
projects, right? So like looking into different gear for streaming and the MacBook Pro one is a good example of like if I have a new product that I'm taking notes on to talk about on a show, I'll just create a note for that product, throw all of my stuff in there about that product and then we'll massage it and take it out to put into Mm. a show document somewhere. Okay. Right? So that's kind of the typical way of like it's from the top down is the stuff that I'm using frequently or the stuff that is important for right now. Mm-hmm. But if I need something later, I'll just search for it because it's it's very easy for me to find what I'm looking for by search because I label things what in a way that I need and or just being like, oh, I'm sure I made a note about X. I would just search for that thing and I'll find it. Hmm. So I don't use folders or any kind of structure like that because for notes, for me, it's just not a thing that I need. Yeah, it, I mean, it doesn't sound like you, you have enough notes that it makes sense to, to start to subcategorize them. Well, I mean, I have like the best part of eight or 900 notes in my notes archive, but they're not all being used frequently enough. But they're all oh, there okay. in case I need them. Okay, the number is two orders of magnitude larger than I was expecting. <laughs> okay, but, but search does the job for you. <laughs> Like, I have notes going all the way back to 2015 in here. I have <laughs> 11th of October 2015, notes from lunch with Gray. <laughs> E-Myth revisited. He's <laughs> <laughs> in there. So you told me huh. to read that back in October of 2015. <laughs> okay. All right. So, you know, it's all in there. So if mm-hmm. I searched, you know, if I ever wanted to be like, oh, what was that book Gray recommended? I would find it. Right. Okay. Continuing to use Notion for a few things that I want to separate out. So everything Cortex brand related goes into Notion. Um, and there's a little more organization to it because that's what Notion demands. Right. So everything is a little bit more organized there into like categories and then notes inside of those categories. And also for some like mechanical keyboard related stuff, I've started to use Notion, but Notion isn't the app that I want to use for this. Can I just ask, are you using it like a database? Is that the... For the keyboard stuff. Yeah. So it's just, you're using it as like a record of here's the hundred keyboards that I own and the components that went into them. I have inventory in there now and my ultimate thought is to try and have information related to the products saved inside mm-hmm. of there but i haven't really started to do that yet because notion just still just doesn't feel like what i'm looking for the mm-hmm. app that i want to use is an app called craft okay i haven't heard of so this this is a new entrant on the scene it's like all of these other things that you've seen and that it's new and it's got backlinks and it does stuff by content blocks and all that kind of stuff Everybody's thinking about notes because yep. I'm thinking about notes. No, it's not. That's not the reason, but okay. But Craft... <laughs> it is the reason. ...for iOS and macOS is actually a, a native application. Ah, okay. Which imagine if imagine such a thing when it comes to notes <laughs> in 2020. That is a big advantage yeah. right away. It's designed really nicely. It has collaboration. This is one of the applications that I was trying out in my real-time collaboration quest, but it still didn't do the the thing. Mm. You know, it wouldn't be instant. But this has like split view and multi-window support and all that kind of stuff on the iPad. The only thing Craft is missing for me right now is the ability to create a table. You cannot create tables in Craft. Mm. I understand they are working on it, 
once they add this feature, I'm I'm most likely going to move my keyboard stuff over to Craft. So I'm mm. keeping my eye on it. It's a really nice looking application. It's quite promising. Um, and who knows? Like I might move more and more over to it. It's got some really nice features, and it does stuff in a way that I think makes a lot of sense for how I work. And it's nicely designed, and it's got a lot of modern iPad and iOS features in it, which I think is really cool and rare for applications in this space. Honestly, yeah, it looks it looks really nice just looking at the screenshots of it. But they've got a lot of the features that people want these days, you know. So like it's it's got backlinking and all that kind of stuff. It's got collaboration. You know, you can share stuff on the web as well as mm-hmm. just using it in the app. So there's a lot of cool stuff in there, but it's just it's missing something which is pretty important for me for the use that I want. Because, mm. you know, I want to start this keyboard kind of note-taking thing with I have two tables, a inventory and a right. outstanding products. Like, you know, stuff I've bought but hasn't arrived yet. Like, that's where it's beginning. And then from there, I want to be able to be like, all right, so this is all the information I have about this keyboard and this type of key switch and all that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, so that's one I'm keeping my eye on. I hope that come 2022 state of the apps, I will have more to say on craft, but I've not really been able to give it the full on test yet because I keep falling down a, a pretty early hurdle for me. Right. Okay. Yeah. That looks like one to keep an eye on. Yeah. It also gave me a slight heart attack when you say, 2022 state of the apps but then i remembered that yes it's like like cars it's numbered for the year mm-hmm. ahead mm-hmm. not the not the year that we're currently in yeah and that was your choosing not mine yes no i know yes yes <laughs> i would much prefer to call this the 2020 state of the apps because that makes more sense <laughs> to me yeah no but my, my whole reasoning is like no but you have to people then when they find it they're going to think it's a year old Right, and so you sort of sneak it in, like, "Oh, this is State of the Apps for 2021." This is current. It just got posted yesterday, guys. Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you by Hover, one of the longest-running sponsors on the show. When you have a great idea, that big idea, that next thing that you want to work on, where do you go? Your business needs to start with a domain name, and for so many entrepreneurs, Hover is that big first leap. They have over 300 domain name extensions for you to choose from. No matter what you want to build, there is a domain name waiting for you. They have excellent technical support to answer any questions you may have, and they are dedicated to getting you online and not upselling you. Maybe you've always wanted to try out live streaming. Why not grab a .live domain and have it redirect to your streaming platform of choice, which Hover can also handle. That is exactly what I've done with my Twitch page at mike.live. I went and registered a Hover domain. They had the one I wanted. It was super easy to register it. And then I could just forward it straight to my Twitch page. So now I have a great domain. I'm really happy with it. And that's all because of Hover. Hover has free Whois privacy, so the bad guys don't get your information. The user experience and the way that you set everything up is super Super clean, super simple, and they have monthly sales on popular top-level domains. It is so easy to see why Hover is the best choice and the most popular choice for people starting businesses. I really love things that just work, things that I don't have to spend a ton of time learning how to use. I know that you obviously appreciate that too, and that is what Hover is all about. Everything is so easy to navigate. So go buy your domain and start using it today by going to hover.com slash Cortex, and you will get a 10% discount on all new purchases. That is hover.com slash Cortex. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. Email. The wheel. So last year, your answer was, I'm not doing it. 
No, that wasn't. No, no. Like, it basically was great. No, no, oh, okay. Well, okay. Yes and no. The thing that I found charming listening to last year's episode was the part where I said, oh, I'm going to, for next year, the 2020 that is past now, for next year, I've got some, some thoughts and some, some big plans for email. And there's a way that I'm going to be using email a lot more. And that was contingent on a, a couple of projects that would have involved a bunch of people and travel and none of that happened. So the number of times I've seriously opened my email app in the past year might be under a dozen. So email is a thing that I, I continue to do my absolute best to ignore. And I just use the default mail app and I have, I have nothing interesting to contribute on this topic. Uh, oh. But that is not the world you live in. I was expecting you were going to be like, ah, oh, I'm on top of my email. Did I have a no. fever dream where you told me you were on top of your email then? Why did oh, I, I think that was the case? I think it might have been a fever dream. Or maybe one of the times this year I got down to Inbox Zero, I just dedicated a day to it. Who knows? Or maybe but. you then said, like, I, I got it. I'm on, I'm on it now. <laughs> and then I just assumed that you were back in email. Yeah, I was like, this is my quarterly email review my word word, gray (laughs) still using spark okay it's gonna take you know i was talking earlier about like how workflows shift with application Mm -hmm. it's like a lot to get me away from spark now because of the sharing right the the commenting on emails with team members thing Yeah. yeah the team team sharing features like robust team sharing features are now table stakes for me and mm-hmm. also, for me to now want to move email application, I have to convince somebody else to move email app as well. Ah, yes, yes. Now, now it's a decision for the two of you, not just the one of you. I have to be able to make a real good case <laughs> to suggest that me and Carrie move email apps. So I don't think that that's likely. The, the only thing that I have my eye on, and I have just one... One eye on it, and it's not, you know, it's just glancing, is an app called Hey, Mm -hmm. which is like a new take on email, which I kind of don't like. Um, I also don't like that it's just their service, and that's the only email that you can have in that service. So you either go all in or you don't, right? Because Mm -hmm. I have one email app that has my personal email and my business email, and I have like two business email addresses. And right. they all go into the one app, which is Spark. But with Hey, all of those have to be either at hey.com email addresses or they're, they're enabling domain kind of email soon. So you could have like Mike at Relay.fm, right? I could have that mm-hmm. in there, but it would be instead of a Google email address, it would be a Hey maintained email address. Mm-hmm. I'm apprehensive. Yeah, I think you have every right to be apprehensive over that. That that's that's a problem because I'm very confident Gmail is going to exist forever, right? Like, mm-hmm. I know Google have a pretty bad reputation of killing products, but I think there are three that are going to stick around: Google Search, Gmail, YouTube. Yeah, I feel confident in those three. So yeah, I I don't know I I don't know I I know people that have gone all in on hey and they love it and they keep telling me how great it is and how it's changed their approach to email mm-hmm. but i just i don't know yeah the, the longevity worry is is a very legitimate worry for something like email and also just like 
a big disruption. This is a big disruption. Like you are going in and saying, I am moving my domain now. Yeah. <laughs> and you have got to hope that goes well because if email gets lost, it's gone. Right. Yeah. And I just, I, I just, yeah, it's going to take a lot for me to, to want to do that. Communication applications. There's Slack. There's just the Slack, right, Mike? Slack is, uh, it is Slack now. <laughs> and there's kind of no way they can get away from it. This is what they are. Slack, you know, it was supposed to be the cool thing that yeah. got rid of email. And you know what? It did do that, but it just it replaced it with Slack, though. That's the problem. And so many years in, it is a fantastic tool, but that fantastic tool has just filled the same hole. Yeah, yeah, with, without a doubt. Slack, Slack feels like a giant lumbering blob of a business monster in a way that many of these tools do and their cutesy sound effects can't cover that up anymore <laughs> it just doesn't work and you know what like it's totally fine right like mm -hmm. it's doing its job it's the business communication tool and that's perfectly fine but this idea that we all had that slack was going to save us from a thing we didn't like was just has not held out and it's just this is where the business communication happens like Business communication, which is much easier to manage because instant messaging is better than email, just fundamentally, for the low barrier to entry and the mm -hmm. speed at which communication can occur. It's all so much better than email. But, you know, it's just the new way that we communicate in business settings is Slack mm -hmm. or Teams, right? You can just like find and replace here for Slack or Teams, right? Like whichever one yeah. you're using, it's the same thing because they're by and large the same products. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing years on for me that Slack has done is that, yes, in some sense, it has replaced email, but the real value is the the siloing for things. You know, th yep, there's, yep, that's true. that is always the problem with email. Of like email can be everything right it, it can be from, from anyone, anyone and you can yes. have spam and all the rest of at it at least with slack as you say when i go into the company a b or c slack all i'm gonna get is stuff related to what's happening inside of those companies yeah and, and that's a it's a huge advantage and it is mind-blowing to me like how did i ever run my business in some ways before slack like I mean, I remember having on iOS, like I used to use those thread alert notifications all the time for design feedback and, and like working with people for like, oh yes, here I'm basically having an instant message conversation about, you know, custom artwork that I'm having made in the form of an email thread. And it was like, that was awful. Uh, so like this yes, Slack you know, it is it is what it is. I'm very glad to have it. Uh, and it has siloed all of that work communication into one area where it can just exist. And it is, it is all better. But it's also it's also not fun because work isn't always fun. And that's fine. That's the way it is. Discord, baby. Let's all move to Discord. Discord will be fun. That's where the fun communication's happening. Yeah, Discord is for the cool kids. I am very aware of this, the fact that I really like Discord. I like it for a bunch of social things. And I have had this thought recently that if I was starting a new project, like a professional project, I would use Discord. Yeah, I, f I feel the same way. I, I do feel the same way. 
it has a different set of tools. Some of the things are easier, some of the things are harder, but I just I really like the overall application. I like the way it works. I like how easy it is to jump from Discord to Discord. I like that I don't have to create a new login every time I want to join a new Discord or create <laughs> yes. one. Um, I like how I like the moderation tools that it has, not even just from a community management perspective, but like even a small group perspective, like that things can be managed quite easily. I love the bots and how many bots there are for Discord and how open that is and how you can have it do weird and wonderful things. I actually, you know, depending on your your outlook, the fact that it doesn't have threaded messages can be a good thing or a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I don't really like Slack's threads, honestly, so I'm fine with that. But, you know, your mileage may vary. Discord is the new chat app, but honestly, that just might mean that in a year, I would hate it, but Discord is where I would go now. <laughs> yeah, well, again, th this is the thing with Slack is going to save us from all the emails. Like, yes, yes, it doesn't save you from the work, though, right? Like, the work still needs to happen. Maybe Discord saves us from Slack, though. You right, know? And yeah, then... and, but that's, that's the feeling. Is like, I think when people say this, there's there's sort of an implied it'll save me from the work right and so you're like oh I'll, I'll use discord it's more fun and there'll be less work it's like you still have to get the same amount of things done but but i do think discord has the advantage of having come along after slack making design decisions seeing how slack works so yeah there's, there's a lot of stuff that's hard to pin down but discord does feel smoother and less heavyweight in a, in a lot of ways and that's also the same reason that i feel like if i was starting from scratch today i would probably do all of my company communications on a on a discord rather than on a slack i actually think over the next couple of years there's going to be another boom in these tools mm -hmm. for so many reasons like one of course there's a market for it now because of remote working but two, because of the change in remote working, everyone's going to come up with their we're better than Slack and this is why tool. Mm. So like, this was a thing that was around a few years ago because Slack was gaining prominence. So people were like, we can build a better Slack. But I don't think there was a lot of take up for it because everyone was like, we use Slack. Like, what's the problem? Mm -hmm. But now I think these tools are so important that one, more people are using them, so there'll be more new takes on it. And two, there's investment. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I think you're right. Yeah, that, that it, it obviously it takes a while for this stuff to get off the ground, but there's probably a non-trivial number of remote teams who are remotely working together on their replacement for Slack, like yeah. right now for sure. Listening to this very podcast in the background, right? Like 100%, that's a, that's a thing that's happening. It is 2020, so I've mm. added a new communication app to this list. Mm -hmm. Zoom! Uh, I mean, I've used Zoom for years. Have you? But just not to the level that I use it now. Can, all right, can you explain something to me? Like, I do not understand, really, why Zoom just completely exploded this year. And, and it feels like guys we've had these tools all along and i have just i've had this real resistance to using zoom and get into these weird conversations with people sometimes like why can't you just facetime me and they're like no let's do a zoom call I'm like no i don't want to i like i just i don't like or trust zoom and i didn't like it from the moment i saw mm. it but but it's like somehow this just instantly became 
the thing that everyone uses and talks about like video chat was invented the day Zoom showed up in the, you know, March 2020. Well, Zoom's been around for a long time mm-hmm. and it's been used in a lot of professional settings and, and it does some interesting stuff for like large group podcasts, like cause Zoom can record, right? Um, mm-hmm. For you. So I've done it in those kinds of settings. That's how I have been aware of Zoom for a while because it was like a, it has been a Skype replacement for some people that I work with. Hmm. Um, Zoom worked because it had the lowest barrier to entry for joining a call. It made it very easy to join calls. Like hmm. Zoom's real thing was that you could click a link and join a call and you didn't need an account and you mm. didn't need to download an app necessarily and like the way that it dealt with a lot of that stuff was much much easier i think than a lot of its competitors now unfortunately this ended up being a slight fall from grace for zoom because some of the ways that they were doing things to make them easy were not necessarily secure Right. And they have tightened up some of that stuff. But at this point, it doesn't matter because Zoom has, because Zoom made it so easy for so many people, they have become the tool. Right. So now that they have actually done some work to make it harder to join a Zoom call because it's now more correct in its security than it was before, it's now become the verb. So it doesn't matter now. Zoom is the verb. So mm. to video call someone in 2020 and beyond is to Zoom them. Yeah. And that's just that. So I use Zoom. The one thing I like about Zoom is that now everyone uses one application because before I would have calls with people and I, would, I had to have WebEx accounts, Zoom accounts, Google Meet accounts, Cisco accounts, like because mm-hmm. you would have a call and they would want to set up a call and it would be like, join one of these 20,000 different services. At least now everyone has a Zoom account, so we can all we can all agree on Zoom. Not me. I I, I am the final holdout. I like Yeah, but you know, <laughs> uh, by and large most people that work with you already have a thing. Um mm. but so like if somebody if you're meeting with someone for the first time, what do you use then? The hierarchy here is FaceTime and then Skype. That's the hierarchy. Okay, because the great again the great thing about Zoom is it's available everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, which FaceTime obviously isn't. But I feel like I, have, I haven't run into anyone yet who doesn't have one of those two. I, I guess way lower down, like one in a thousand, is Google Meet, but that's incredibly rare. I hate that one. I don't know why though. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't have enough experience with it, but. I have that same feeling with Zoom. Like I, I don't, I don't have good reasons, but I just fight, I feel viscerally repelled by Zoom, and mm. and so yeah, I I try not to use it if I possibly can. Uh, I mean, I like it for the stuff that I use it for, in the sense of it has good features. Mm-hmm. It's easy for my family to all get on a call if we're doing something. It's easy to do group calls, and they can be recorded in case somebody misses it, and it's all done automatically. Mm-hmm. You know, like it does the job. I can see why it's worked for people. You know, like it's very specific set of features that it has worked very well for the pandemic and everybody else had to catch up. Right. If they caught up. 
you know, like Slack, I mean, geez, <laughs> just doesn't have these features. Yeah. And it's wild to me, which is one of the reasons why Teams has done so well for Microsoft. Because Teams has all this stuff built into it. Mm-hmm. Which is also kind of funny because Microsoft owns Skype. I always forget that. I forget that Microsoft owns Skype now. I think Microsoft forgot. <laughs> because they built a whole new... like the, the calling in Teams is not based on Skype. It's not Skype. It's Teams chat. That's crazy. But I think my understanding is it for what it needs to be is better than how Skype would deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know? Is there anything I've missed out from communication for what's going on in your world? Yeah, I'll just add one more thing, which is a sort of follow-up from last year. It sort of goes goes to your uh, not liking threads on Slack. So again, I, within my own company, there's there's this little bit of a distinction between Slack is for communication, but there needs to be somewhere else for the actual like information or tasks or like what needs to be done. It's easy to just lose stuff in the stream of people talking for like, what were the actionable items or, you know, what's that piece of reference material? And so last year I was using Dropbox paper as this auxiliary layer to Slack where like tasks and things would go in there. This is also one of these situations where you're working with someone else. So my assistant eventually said she wanted to transition away from paper to notion for (laughs) this layer. (laughs) Because she's an architect, right? She is totally an architect and she is part of the notion nation. And so she wanted to transition to notion and while there are things that I still don't love about notion, it is obviously the vastly better tool for her which makes it the vastly better tool for me as well and so all of the like back-end data for my company all exists in notion when there are things that my assistant needs me to do like that's in a task list in notion and it is really nice like notion's ability to say like here's a task you know, here's the document that you need to sign. It goes right here and to have some additional information about it. This is where Notion does stand strong with its ability to like create like an arbitrary database entry for almost anything. Mm-hmm. And so like that ability of being able to collaborate and communicate with tasks is really fantastic. And then that is also where, again, I have transitioned to a lot of the communication between me and, and my animator is like, we will discuss things in slack but all of the actionable items of like this needs to be changed or this needs to be bigger or smaller or like you know whatever all of that exists in notion as well so it's like boom here's a list of tasks that we can collaborate on like adding and checking off things so i just find it really useful to try to keep that in mind when you're working with people then like where communication happens is a separate layer from information and task tracking and like don't confuse those two and if you do so you do that at your peril so (laughs) i used to use paper for it and now i use notion for it which was not my decision but was a very good decision fantastical 3 is still my calendar app of choice 
well, fantastic. The version three is the new version of Fantastic Cow that's come out in the last year. It's a great update. It gave me the two features that I wanted the most. The iPad version is basically the Mac version now, which looks it just mm-hmm. looks exactly the same. So I have all the functionality I want, and calendar sets are also available now. So you can group together calendars and just check which ones you want to see at a specific time, which I really really like. So oh, the widgets are also fantastic. You know, I love Fantastic Cow. Yeah. Have done for years and. It got it got a lot better this year, which I'm really happy about. Yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing more to say than it's the best calendar app by a lot. Mm-hmm. It's 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 fantastic that calendar. Oh wow! I wonder if that's why they called it that. <laughs> uh, I've also been using a tool called Doodle. I've included this in case you ask from looking at my home screen. Yeah, what's Doodle? Uh, it is a tool to get a bunch of people to agree on a time to have a call ah okay so as the person creating the doodle i say like these are the days i am available and the times and i would send it out Ah, to eight or nine people and they can all go in and check what they want to do fantastic how actually has this feature itself does it i didn't know that yeah it's called proposed time um but i haven't really played around with that yet and I have a friend who tried to use this recently to send a thing to me and he ended up not making the call <laughs> because it didn't add it to his calendar the way that he was expecting. So, But Doodle is a thing that I, I use and, and also it's not presupposing that people use calendars the same way that I do. Hmm. I, can't, I don't even know if pe- like the people I'm sending these to even use a calendar at all, right? Like I'm not going to make that guess because people use their own tools differently right right. but this is just like hey here's the thing now you can come to this meeting however it is you were reminded of such things right ah okay Hmm. so you know because it's like all you're doing is saying i'm also available at these times and then when it's done i then create an event so like all right great we're all going to meet at this time so yeah, uh, that, that, that's great. I'll, I'll take a look at it. I mean, again, this is one of these like mathematical things where if you have two people, it's not hard to arrange time. But the moment you have three people, it's like it's exponentially harder. And then four people and five people, it just explodes right. so fast. And like, my issue is the, <laughs> the, the only thing I'm using this for is to arrange a monthly call between 10 people. Oh, my God. So that's why I started using Doodle. It's it's amazing. It's even possible to arrange a call between ten people. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You remember <laughs> when I said earlier about the fact that Zoom does recording and that's good? Mm-hmm. It's because sometimes not all ten people can agree. Right, of course. <laughs> so the fact that Zoom can record those calls is great for the people that can't make it because it is actually impossible to arrange a call that ten people can make when the creator of the call that's me, only right. gives three days that they're able to do it on. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I'll just add a quick quick little thing here related to scheduling stuff, which is when we talked about widgets, David Smith's Widget Smith has the time zone display on uh, on your phone is what you were using it for to show you like, oh, here's here's the time zones in a bunch of different places. And you asked why I still had calzones and I hadn't thought about it at the time, but one thing I do still really like Calzones for is that when you open up Calzones, it lets you do this thing where you can slide the time zones around to see like, oh, okay, when it's going to be 7 p.m. in London, you know, what time is it in L.A. or whatever? And so I still use Calzones a lot for that, and I don't think it will work. Like, just having the widget of 
what time is it now in another time zone is is actually not very often the thing that I want. When I'm thinking about time zones, I'm off, often trying to do that mental calculation of like plus six hours a week from now, when is that for someone else? And so I use calzones for that a bunch for meeting, scheduling, and planning. In the Wittesmith app, there's a section called Tools. Mm-hmm. And in Tools is a, a thing called World Time. Mm-hmm. And in that has a version, a simpler version of what calzones does. So that, that's what okay. I do when I now want to work out a time. Can I get to that in one tap? No. Okay. Well, then I'm, I'm going to, I mean, look, they're both, <laughs> they're both David Smith mm-hmm, apps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm going to keep using Calzones if it just takes me one tap to get to the thing. Because I feel yeah. like I just want to open it and see it. But if he eventually abandons that in favor of his new favorite child, mm-hmm. then, you know, I'll, I'll use the new system. The new favorite child just got a pretty cool update, by the way, which is Smith. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I saw that roll in my updates. Yeah, there's like themes now, which is really great because that's Dave leaning into what people are using the application for. Yeah, that's definitely a good decision, which is to make their home screens look nice. And yeah, and so he's done more of that. And I, re- I really like the update. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Raycon. Don't know about you, but I find it super satisfying when I can pick up gifts for the holidays early on before the rush begins. And today, you can save big on a gift that that person in your life is going to use every day. Raycon wireless earbuds. With seamless Bluetooth pairing and a comfortable noise-isolating fit, you can start listening right away and keep listening for hours. The audio quality is amazing compared to what you'll get from other premium brands, except Raycon start at just half the price. Raycon sent me a pair of these earbuds to try out. I found that they were actually really small. The case is tiny. They're very light and comfortable, and they fit my ears really well. I was super happy with the seal. Sometimes I have trouble with these types of earbuds, but they fit really, really nicely, and because they were so light, they've stayed in really easily. The magnets on the case, also very satisfying. I love to open and close them. And they even have a button on the earbuds themselves, which gives super simple and easy controls for pausing, skipping tracks, and stuff like that. These are really impressive. So go to buyraycon.com slash cortex today to get 20% off your Raycon order. But hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time, so you don't want to miss it. That's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash Cortex to get 20% off your Raycons. One more time, that is buyraycon.com slash Cortex. Our thanks to Raycon for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. I wanted to include project management this year. Okay. What are you thinking with this? Well, I, I realized that I have a tool that I use for some stuff like this and also thinking maybe this is an area which I could use to some effect for other stuff. Okay. So Trello is the tool that I use for things that I would consider project management. And there is one annual project where I manage through Trello and then one which is more ongoing. So the annual project is the podcast-a-thon. We, we mm. arrange the podcast-a-thon in Trello. So this is shared between a bunch of people and effectively we're throwing all of our ideas in there and then we're moving them around from like column to column in the Kanban system of like how done they are from like idea stage to completion stage. And if somebody needs to add things to it, you can assign them to it. You know, Trello works pretty well for a project management in that kind of sense of like Mm -hmm. you have an item and it needs to move through a process to completion. Yeah. Right. 
So we've, to great effect, actually, have used Trello for this. And then even for when it comes to actually doing the like run of show for the Podcast-a-thon event, we'll create our columns mm-hmm. and then move these ideas into each hour. Ah, okay, I see. Yes, it, it, took, it took me, but yes, yeah. okay, that makes sense, right? So, because yeah. each item, you know, a lot of the items end up being like pieces of content that we will mm-hmm. produce during the podcast-a-thon event. And so then eventually, once all of the preparation for that content is complete, we can then move it into its hour column of when it will appear during the eight-hour event. Uh, so that's a really interesting way to use a Kanban board. I hadn't hadn't thought about that, but that's a that's a great idea. Yeah, I didn't. It wasn't wasn't my idea. I think Stephen <laughs> set it up that way. It was very clever. Um, but that's that's something you know we use it for that. I mean, we also use Trello for like a few other things at Relay FM. Like we use it for our annual company goals and projects that we want to achieve throughout a year we, we put into trello mm-hmm. if we're working on a high level project of some description we might use trello for that and also me and adina have been using it for setting up the studio setting up mega studio mm. from a high level perspective i really like trello for this kind of stuff because it's like you know you can step back and see how everything's moving through a process of completion Mm -hmm. I really like that a lot. And or if you have lots of mini projects inside of a larger project. So like when it comes to setting up the studio, the studio is kind of cordoned off into different areas, right? So like we have a lounge and then we have like three desks Mm. and each of those areas has lots of little things that need to be done for it to become complete, that area. Right, right. So having a column for each of these areas and then all of the different tasks listed in each column it works really nice so you know i'm aware of the fact like this is like very basic project management Mm. so i don't know if this is the thing that i need to or want to look into more but for tasks big tasks like these i have valued trello this year for that Mm. yeah that, that makes sense that makes sense i'm kind of surprised that you don't manage your videos of a tool like this because you are working with so many people now trello is one of those tools that i have visited many times over the years and and i've always been interested in kanban systems i think there's something very nice about them and it fits with your index card love yeah it it seems like it should be right in the bullseye i also think there's uh you know back when i was uh you know working in the glass cube in the before times i think, think there's a reason that almost Every company whose office I could peer into, they had like a Kanban board with a bunch of sticky notes that they were moving around. Like it it feels like it is the right tool for lots of things. I've just, for me, never personally found it to be actually useful in the sense of I've used it a number of times. Like I've tried using Kanban systems and Trello boards like for video production process but it's it's the only time it's this a tool has for me felt like oh i'm just playing with a task list like i'm not really doing the thing i'm just moving these cards but i'm moving the cards after the fa- like it's just never felt useful but with with the increasing number of people who are involved in the video production and the increasing number of steps particularly post tikoi incident this has been a thing that I've been talking with people about, and 
I think it might make sense to even just have like a very high level Kanban board to show like what videos are in what stages. So, th- so this is something that I just feel is investigating and is maybe a tool that I need to think about in a different way where it's, it's not like this tool isn't for me. This tool is for creating clarity for the people that I work with of like, where are the videos? What looks like it's coming down the pike? And so maybe this is something that should exist in the future. The closest thing that I I have to project management in that sense, which I think I've mentioned before, but is in Slack, like I make a different channel for each of the videos. And then I explicitly number those channels so that everyone knows like you should be working on things from, you know, one onward. If like I put tasks or things to be done in multiple channels, like you always know which one should happen first. Yeah, that doesn't feel like the way to do it. Yeah, but so the thing is they're like that is extremely high level, yeah. but it doesn't create the concept of where in the process is this individual video? Yeah, so. it feels like to me with that numbering thing, you have maybe started to naturally move into needing a system like this. Yeah, like yeah. that that some that you have now recognized that there needs to be this like ordering and or progress. Yeah, this is very normal, I think, for adding a new tool or system that you've started to outgrow the process a little bit or it's you're starting to like shoehorn something in mm-hmm. right or you know or the other part which is what you're doing right here is you're using the tool in a way that it's not intended to be used like so you're, you're doing yes. something to slack which that's not what slack's for right which is what you were mentioning earlier about like tasks and slack Yes, exactly. And yeah. moving them out to Notion now. So, yeah, it's maybe suggesting that, that, you know, like even Notion could be. Yeah, well, I mean, Notion has everything inside of it, right? There's Kanban boards inside of Notion. So, like, that may <laughs> that may very well be the thing that happens is like, oh, there's a Kanban board that just lives on a page in Notion somewhere. Like, yeah. maybe that's what happens. Mm. This is very in flux. This is a thing that is also one of these areas where I need to think about it because... The video production process is really fluid mm-hmm. and I'm I'm always a bit cautious about overstructuring the video production like a factory like assembly line is not really something that I want to do like I w- I do want to be able to be free to drop or pause or delay projects and and things like this so yeah, it's just something I'm in the middle of investigating, but I, I think the way I have to think about it is is like, it's a tool that is clarity for others. It's not a tool that's actually for me. We'll see. We'll see what happens in State of the Apps 2022. All right, writing and research. Obviously, these are two, two very different things for the two of us. Yes. But thing that we both do in our own way. So for me, research this year has really solidified around RSS. It's stuck, mm. and I'm using Reader 5 now. I was using Reader 4 last year as a new version of Reader, which is not vastly different. It's just like really, really beautifully polished. Mm. The app added a bunch of features, but they're not features that I particularly want, but could be really useful for people in that you can now use Reader as your RSS subscription 
tool via iCloud, which is very clever. What do you mean it shares the RSS feeds over iCloud? Or it syncs them? Yeah, so you can add them to Reader and then Reader syncs all of that to your other devices using iCloud. So you don't actually need to, to have another service. Ah, okay, right, right. So I use like Feedbin or Feedly. I don't even know what one I use, but I use one of these services right. that just syncs with Reader. And it also like beefs up its read later support. So it has like a read later function inside of Reader as well. So you can, you don't need like an Instapaper or something. How do you think it compares to Instapaper? I don't, I don't, I don't know. You've never used it? Okay. I don't do that. Mm. kind of thing like i don't like have this thing where like i come across articles and i like send them to a thing to read later because i don't use rss for this sounds weird i don't use it for reading i know that sounds really strange well, yeah, I feel like you must be you're skimming right like you're fu- you're skimming yeah. you're hunting you're looking for things right that's what you're doing with rss mostly i'm pulling stuff out and sending it to notes to read later for actual when I sit down to do my research for a show, I will right. read the occasional thing in Reader. Like there'll be an article that I'll see and be like, oh, I'll read that. But I'm not really like as is well known. I'm not like this reading person. So like I don't like come across an article. I'm like, oh, I must save that to read later. Like I don't, this is not really a thing that I feel, right. you know, like, oh, somebody sh- shared this article on Twitter. Must make sure I sit down with my morning coffee tomorrow and read it. Like, <laughs> I know right. that this is a very normal thing for many people, but it isn't for me. So Reader is an absolutely excellent tool for me to, whenever I want to, go in, see a bunch of headlines, maybe click through the occasional one to see if it's something I want to, like I'll skim it. Is this what I want to read more about? Yes, then I will use the share extension to send that out to notes to add it to, say, upgrade follow-up note. So then when I sit down to actually do my work for upgrade, I have all my links, I open them all, read what I need. Right. Right? So it's, it's mostly a triage tool but it is the most effective way for me to ingest a vast amount of information in a short period of time. I'm really glad that the RSS move for you has worked out. Mm. I almost feel happy to know like RSS, it isn't dead yet. Like it can still be done, right? Mm. A professional can still rely on this protocol for what it was intended, like the the ability to survey websites and and collate them all in one place. So I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to know that that worked out. Yeah, I'm very happy with it. When it comes to writing, I mean, the stuff that I write takes many different forms and none of it is even close to what you do, right? And it's all very similar for me. So the most, the app that I write the most in or the service that I write the most in is Google Docs, right? Right. So the most writing I do on a weekly basis is outlines for podcasts. And so that is all in Google Docs. Mm-hmm. Before Google Docs, they live in notes, as I explained earlier. But if I needed to write a document, if I needed to write a blog post, or if I needed to write something long form, I'm still using Bear for that just because it works. And I've had Bear for years, and it's just a simple markdown app for me. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious, but when you say write something long form, like, do you have any examples this year of the kind of stuff that, that you've written in Bear? I'm just trying to imagine what that would even be. Sponsor copy is something that ah, I would, okay. would write. That makes sense. And I don't do very much of that, but I do it occasionally. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to do that, I will use Bear for that. 
Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That seems like a good use of that tool. Yeah, because it's like, you know, it's it's not long. There's a few hundred words or whatever, and, and it's nice to have just a simple application that, that, that I can easily format because the tool that we put our copy into reads Markdown. Mm, mm. So it will be formatted for me to read or for whoever's going to read the ad in a way that is clear and makes sense. So. Mm, okay. Are you still on Ulysses? <sighs> Oh, last year it was like, Ulysses is amazing. The developers do whatever I want. No, no. Okay, okay. So so, so (laughs) the the sigh, that sigh is because, yes, I I am still on Ulysses. And yes, by far, it's the best tool for the the kind of thing that I want to do. Okay. The the sigh is because I, I feel like there must be a, like in, app design land there must be a a word or like a law for this sorts of phenomenon but it's where you have an app and the app goes through a redesign and it it always feels like the rule for app redesign always trends toward less information displayed or less options displayed at any particular point so it just it feels like the first version of the app can show you lots of things. And then as time goes on, it's like the opposite of what you would expect that later versions of the app show you fewer things. And so I have this tremendous frustration with Ulysses right now, which is they did a, an app redesign a couple of months ago where I was sort of horrified at something they changed. And I kept thinking like, well, any day now, in the next point release, they're going to add the ability to change this around, and like, and they just haven't, and it's killing me. So, the very short version of this is in, in Ulysses, for anything that you're writing, again, like my constant obsession with index cards, I can have a script. It's displayed to me as a as a single piece of writing, but I can subdivide it into little sections, and each of those little sections, I can add things that are not part of the script in a sidebar so i can add like an extra little comment to myself or like here's a reference image or here's a little reference document or whatever there's like a little sidebar and that sidebar would also show things like how many words are in the overall script that you're working on how long will it take an average person to read this out loud which is of course very useful information for me and this is always great but Ulysses did this redesign where I cannot understand, I can't understand why, but what used to be a single panel on the right-hand side, they decided to divide it up into little, like, four little tabs at the top. So if you want to know the word count, you can click on one of the tabs. If you want to know how long it takes to read out loud, you can click on another tab to see that piece of information. Oh, that's weird. If you want to see the note, like the comment that you have on this section of the script, that's a fourth tab. If you have also included a picture that is related to this section of the script, that is a fifth tab. And so all of the things that I used to be able to see at once have now like pointlessly been divided into five different sections that you can't there's no way to see all of them at once and i find it 
totally baffling. Like I cannot conceive of who this redesign is for. Because in the old version, if you didn't want to see one of the sections, like you had an option where you could just uncheck it and be like, don't show me read out loud time. I don't care. And, you know, you wouldn't have to deal with that. And that like there's just there's no ability to customize this sidebar. It's Mm. infuriating. And the thing that's really frustrating about it is like, you know, so right now I have a script in front of me where I'm writing about a thing and there is a reference photo for this particular section that I'm writing. So I have to click on the attached photos sections to see that photo so say then i finish like i'm looking at that image and i i rewrite the little section and then if i move on to the next section the sidebar of course stays on the show reference photo tab which means that when i get to the next section if i have written a comment on that section the only way i can know is to manually click on the show me the comments section mm, mm, right which is infuriating and also keep in mind one of the things i very frequently want to know is what's the word count right or how loud or how long is this going to read out loud so if i ever click to see that information again when i'm working on the script i won't know if i've left a comment on any particular section until I manually click on the comment section. It is fucking infuriating. Like, and I, I, I really cannot conceive of why was this change made or like who on earth requested this? It's, it's baffling to me. So my big sigh there is it's extremely hard for me to imagine switching from Ulysses for a bunch of the reasons, the way that it works. I really like it, but this redesign has been brutal. And I, and I was just so surprised. Like I kept waiting for the next version to come out that would adjust this behavior. And as far as I can tell, the app is like, no, this is great. This is totally the way it's supposed to work. So that is my real frustration right now with Ulysses and it's you were talking before about the beautiful synergy with the way you work with an app and you know the two of you you're of one mind and you're getting things done yes this was the part that I didn't mention about that (laughs) yeah and like I felt this way with Ulysses and particularly last year the the big request I made was specifically for the ability to use all of these amazing sidebar features of adding notes and images and seeing information about what you're working on, like while you're working on it. And it's like, oh, I had seven glorious months until this redesign, which just destroyed all of the value in the sidebar. So again, I'm, I'm really frustrated with that, but Ulysses still for me is the best it's still the best because of the way that you can divide up text it's the best because of the way it's really easy to rearrange things they have very lightweight but powerful ways to just say like the all of these things go together and these things don't you know to mark different parts of a script to say don't include this in the word count because this is like meta information you know like there's just so many nice things about it it's it's very hard to move away but it feels a little bit like i had a perfect tool and then it got pointlessly hobbled which is just a frustrating experience so Ulysses is still the the app that I'm using to write my scripts. (laughs) This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Fitbod. 
Fitbod is the fitness app that provides a personalized exercise plan, a fitness plan that actually fits you. When it comes to fitness, Fitbod believes everyone can be better. Whether you're working out three days a week or twice a day, Fitbod's algorithm uses data and analytics to help you build on your previous workout so that your next workout is scientifically proven to be better than the last. Fitbod has been fine-tuned by certified personal trainers to bring the best practices of strength training to you. Your workout program is tailored exactly to your needs, making it perfectly suited to your unique body, experience, environment, and goals. It can be hard to know exactly how much you should be doing while exercising, but Fitbod helps you figure that out so you don't have to worry about under- or overtraining. Fitbod will also mix up muscle groups, exercises, sets, reps, and weight over time to help keep you on top form. You don't need to spend hours researching the best exercises and workout strategies to get results. Fitbod does all of it for you. If you're working out at home right now, Fitbod has a bunch of bodyweight-only workouts. These are great for indoors or outdoors. But if you are able to be back at a gym, they have a ton of great workout options there too. They have everything you're going to need, no matter how much equipment you have access to. Fitbod is there to help you with any exercise routine you need. I love that it's available to me wherever I am with whatever I have available to me. This is something that's been really useful to me this year, as what I have available to me at any time has changed dramatically. Look, whether I have access to a gym or just some weights or even just my resistance bands at home, Fitbod is there to give me the recommendations and workouts that I want. I really love how easy the app is to use. I love the workout example videos for each exercise that helps me make sure I am doing things right. And I also think that the Apple Watch app is fantastic. It helps me make any amendments I want to the reps for each exercise and also helps me advance to the next exercise with prompts for what I need to complete. This helps keep me focused and away from my phone during my workout. Fitbod is available on iOS and Android, and you can get started right now by going to fitbod.me slash cortex, and you'll get 25% off your membership. That's fitbod.me slash cortex to try out Fitbod for free and get 25% off your Fitbod membership. Our thanks to Fitbod for their support of Cortex and Relay FM. Lightning round time. Lightning rounds. You want to go first? Uh, yeah, I was I was just trying to think of how to make a lightning. What I was trying to think there is, yeah, but lightning sound effect that's not an upgrade laser sound effect, right? That's I yeah. Know. I was like, <laughs> right? Like, what's lightning sound like? I don't know. It's hard. Does lightning have a? S- yeah, it does. Thunder is the sound lightning makes, right? Yeah, like it's like a crack. Yeah, you know, pow, lightning, crack, pow, whiz bang. Does it whiz and Zoom. bang? <laughs> I don't know. Look, okay. uh, it's hard. It's lightning sounds. <laughs> lightning round. <laughs> Bam. <Bam-bam. laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you want to alternate? Should we do it that way? Yeah. Let's alternate with stuff really yeah. quick. Okay. I'm not going to talk about it right now because I've talked about it so much last year, but lightning round. Fitbod is my exercise app, which I also believe is a sponsor of this episode. Correct. Um, but I cannot possibly skip over it in a state of the apps without mentioning it. Fitbod is my exercise app of choice. I loved it last year. And boy, did I not know how important it was going to be this year yeah. in yeah. lockdown time. So without exaggeration, Fitbod is definitely the app that has made the biggest physical impact on my life this year if you're looking for an exercise app this is my number one recommendation to everyone love it i'm not gonna say anything about it because at this point you have already said something about it (laughs) i've already said something about it and i don't want to cross those streams right (laughs) twitch i'm going with 
I've been watching lots of Twitch streams as I've been getting further and further into the mechanical keyboard hobby over the last few months. Mm-hmm. And the Twitch app on iOS is fantastic because it does everything you want it to do. And it also has a fa- really great picture in picture support, which is so needed for Twitch. Oh, yeah, that's really nice. Because Twitch streams are usually very long, and usually for lots of lots and lots of stuff that you would watch a stream for, it's not like must focus viewing. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you can, lots of a very normal way to use Twitch is in the background. Mm-hmm. And quote in the background of an ios device is in picture in picture right so you can still glance at it when you want to but you can also be doing other things and twitch was one of the first apps that i used that took advantage of the iphone picture in picture and it Mm. works great for that too so uh, the app has everything you want it to have and also it really does a good job of integrating the things that it should to make it great looking at you youtube crazy youtube doesn't do picture in picture support i cannot believe at this point that they do not have it available on ios i believe on it is on android but like even if it's for just for premium right because you can do background listening <laughs> i know in pre if you're a youtube premium subscriber you know they have said that they were working on it i believe a long time ago but i can't believe they don't have it at this point my assumption is the only reason they haven't done it is because the way that they serve their ads as separate video files, I can imagine might oh, mess yeah. up what iOS wants to do. Right, but that's why I just do it for premium then, if you if this is your problem. Oh yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. But I, I think they're like, no, 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 we're not going to do this until we can, we can make sure that you see an ad picture in picture without us having to like swap out the files or whatever. So that's, that's my mm. guess. But it's infuriating. <laughs> it's absolutely infuriating. Okay, lightning round. I have first VR app recommendation oh. for lightning rounds. Oh, we talked about VR. This is definitely my year of the VR. Yep. You know, there's the classics like Beat Saber, which everyone will love. You got to play Beat Saber. Have you played Beat Saber? I don't know how to ask you this. Have you played the Beat Saber in like 360 degrees? Yeah, yeah. I played. Yeah. I played it. Super in good. Mode. If you've not tried that and you have a quest and maybe you you play beat saber a long time ago on a different system or whatever in 180 and 360 degrees it's a totally different game and it's fantastic yeah it's it is fun i also recommend it's it seems like you people might not like it but i've also really enjoyed the one-handed mode sometimes like some of the songs okay. i feel like it's it's a fun slightly different experience uh doing it with just one saber instead of two sabers but anyway, Beat Saber is not my lightning round recommendation, even though it's played a surprisingly important important role in my life this year. If it's not if it's not your pick, it's not my pick. We just make it a pick. No, it's not. It's not the pick. It's this. We just gotta. We gotta side derail. My actual pick for this lightning round is a VR game called In Death, and oh. it is fucking amazing. Okay, it is a game where you are an archer. And you are traveling through this weird infinite church in heaven trying to clear it out from monsters and bad guys. Okay. It's just an incredible VR experience. Like they just, they've designed everything really well. I have rarely met a game that gets the difficulty ramp so perfect where it 
every time it feels like a challenge and the game just slightly cranks up the difficulty with enemies. Whatever team did the like graphic design memory constraints should deserve some kind of award because it's like they do not waste a single pixel or a single polygon like it's the graphic quality is shockingly good given the limitations of the quest and like the number of enemies that they can have on screen at once i've just rarely seen anything handle it so well and it is just super fun to be an archer who can teleport around like the only downside is you learn how physically difficult it is to be an archer but that's also an upside is it scary i mean i don't think it's scary you might find it a little scary, Mike, but I can say that if if you just avoid what are obviously portals to hell, then you can avoid most of the scary stuff okay. and you can still play it with like some enemies. All right, I'll try it out then. I really mean it. It's just a very enjoyable VR experience. By far my favorite game on the Quest that I've tried. And I've tried like everything on that store. I have to mention it because otherwise it wouldn't be a state of the apps timery for time tracking. That's the best. <laughs> yeah, of course. What what can we say? We've used it for years. It's it's amazing. Timery. I just really want it to be on the Mac now. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess I didn't even think about that, but of course it can be on the Mac. Mm, as of right now, it is not on the Mac. Even yeah, but it, but it, I said it can it be can right. Be, it yes. can be on, but the it Mac. isn't yet. Still, with timing stuff, I'll, I'll quickly mention the timer that i found last year which i really like and have integrated uh, much more into shortcut stuff is just timers it is an app that is just timers with good shortcut supports and uh, i've built this into just a ton of my own time tracking shortcuts to like start a 120 minute timer or you know start a seven minute timer when i also start tracking this time i really like it and i find it's a great companion for time tracking Air table. So I've moved away from the old favorite pipe drive sales management tool. We've oh my goodness. Everything to Airtable now. I'm shocked. So you know how What about your tactile feedback? Well, okay. Pour one out for the great tactile feedback of, of pipe drive and its button pressing. I'm genuinely sad for you here. <laughs> you know how your assistant said I would like to use Notion now? Yes. So my sales manager Carrie decided that she had used Airtable enough mm-hmm. that everything needed to live in Airtable and strongly recommended that we move the final part of our sales management flow to Airtable away from Pipedrive. Basically, it ended up being worthwhile to have just one database of all of our clients that can be displayed in the many <laughs> different ways that Airtable can display a database, depending on what information you need to see, which is really great, except their iOS app is terrible. I hate it. I hate it so much. I hate it. So I use the website. The reason I hate it is Airtable's whole thing is like, give us a bunch of information. And our thing is, you can view it in many different ways. So you can view it as a spreadsheet. You can view it as a database. You can view it as a, a like lots of filters. You can view it as a Kanban, our favorite word of the show. Yeah. But on iOS, none of these things work. And they've always said, like, we're working on bringing them over for years, and they've never done it. So (laughs) one of the great things about iPadOS is that you can use these complex websites now. And so it's just a tab in Safari for me on iPadOS. 
So it makes me so mad. Because <laughs> what makes me mad is in the app, right? I'm going to open the app now because I need to read exactly what it says just for the sake of it. Okay. This view can't be displayed in the iOS app yet. Please use Airtable.com in a desktop browser to display and edit it. Yet. 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 How many years has yet <laughs> been a thing, Airtable? You know, yet is always true. Just don't make an app if you're not going to bother adding the features to it that make your service a thing that people want to use. <laughs> I don't use it on my iPhone at all, basically. It's just on my iPad and on my Macs. But this is one of those things where, for her, it is such a great tool. And the things that Kerry has done with it make it my frustration not important. Because right. we yes. do really have so much information all in one place now that is mm -hmm. worthwhile. Yeah. But I hate the app. <laughs> okay, I'm going to lightning round a little app called Home Design 3D. Uh, <laughs> now, it has, a, it has a yellow icon. The reason I'm mentioning this is because I'm going to find the exact link for you because the App Store is littered with absolutely garbage home design apps for like oh how am i going to lay out this room all right there's a million of them and most of them are terrible they're absolutely terrible but when i was planning what my new home office would be i realized at some point like i need to think about this with an actual app that can lay out desks and arrangements and i can see it in 3d and everything was terrible until i found this one in particular so if anyone is trying to design a room in their house or their whole house let me save you a bunch of effort and just tell you which app to use it's called home design 3d but they're all called home design so i'll give the actual link to mike so he can put it in the show notes okay i'm looking now and i don't think i can find it so I'm definitely going to need your help. Yes. Oh, I guarantee you, if you search for home design, you're not going to find it. Like, that's why I'll give you the link. <laughs> Deliveries is one of the all-time great iOS apps for parcel tracking, and it got a really nice visual update this year. This has been an application that I have really gotten a lot of use out of in 2020 because yeah, I, I have to get everything delivered now because I don't go out to buy things anymore. <laughs> Is Amazon an app? Can I pick Amazon? <laughs> like... If you wanna. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I've opened the Amazon app more more this year than the past five years. Deliveroo <laughs> is my next Yeah, pick. Deliveroo. <laughs> For sure. So yeah, Deliveries is, is a really, really fantastic iOS app. Other quick little one is app called Double Take. This this was demoed on stage at Apple was it last year, the year before, as one of their cool new things that you can do with the new operating system. It took a long time to actually come out, but it's the app that lets you shoot video on two of the cameras at once on the iPhone. Oh, Double Take by Filmic. Okay. Yes, Double Take by Filmic. Did they never add this to the Filmic Pro app then? So as far as I can tell, it is still not part of the Filmic Pro app. <laughs> Something bad happened there, didn't it? That's what it feels because like. Because this was supposed to be a feature coming to Filmic Pro, and I guess yeah. it just never did that. This is also partly why I'm mentioning now is I feel like it just got spun off into its own thing, and many people might have forgotten this is even a thing that you could do because it just never seemed to appear where it was supposed to. But it does exist as an app, and... Obviously, this is a really edge case niche use, but 
if you want to record from two cameras at once, you can do it. And sometimes that's that's a really useful thing to be able to do. So double take, lightning round. I'm a simple man. Mm-hmm. I have simple needs. Okay. When it comes to Reddit, I use an app called Narwhal. Right. It's super simple, and that's what I like about it. And everyone says, use Apollo! And like, use okay. Apollo. Every time I download Apollo, I feel like I, it's more than I want from Reddit. Because mm-hmm. every time I download it, I'm like, okay, this doesn't look like what I want it to look like. And I know I can get it to look like what I want it to look like. But at that point, I've just recreated Narwhal again. <laughs> All right, so okay. I go back to Narwhal every time. It's really <laughs> nice. It's really simple. I don't use Reddit very much. I don't look at any of the popular subreddits, right? Like, I'm not, I don't like the front page or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I just subscribe to a couple of subreddits and that's it. And so Narwhal is, is all I ever need. Yeah, my next pick is going to be an app called Zero. And Zero is maybe one of the simplest apps I've ever used. It is just a timer that is specifically designed for fasting. Many years ago, I successfully won the war on breakfast, and breakfast was no more in my life. And I've been experimenting with expanding that battlefront to the war on lunch, which we can all agree is Wait, the worst you're meal. You're just planning one meal a day now? <laughs> What's, what are you doing? <laughs> Look, maybe, right? But if, if, if you are interested in fasting for whatever reason and you want a little timer to keep track of it, it's a dead simple app, but it's just nicely designed. And so Zero is a fasting tracking timer. It doesn't, if I'm looking at the right one, it doesn't look that simple. It's like a lot of stuff in it, like coaching and. No, like, yeah, all the, the you don't need any of that uh, stuff, okay. right? All like, right. That's, that that's, stuff. The, that's the, oh, you want to give us money? Great. Now we can provide mm. you with things that you almost certainly don't need. Like, you can, you just use the app without any of the in app purchase stuff. It's just a very nice little timer and it has a nice little widget to go along with it. PCALC. What I'm picking specifically about my favorite calculator app is the most recent version of pCalc on the Mac has added something I didn't know I wanted until it existed, which is a menu bar widget. Oh, so I want that. In Big Sur, the old widget for pCalc can't exist anymore because Big Sur widgets are the same as iOS widgets. They're written in SwiftUI, basically. So James Thompson, developer of pCalc, took the old widget and made it a menu bar item. So now, with a keyboard command, I can bring down a calculator whenever I want on my Mac, and I love it. Awesome. I didn't know that was new. I need to add this. Yeah, it's super good. Show widget in menu bar. Check. There you go. (laughs) Sweet. Oh, that's great. It's a great little feature, because then, you know, like I do command option C for Fantastical, and now command option P for pcalc. You know, like these are just like two little Mm. apps that I bring down whenever I need them and it works super good. And you can also have it where the widget and the calculator can stay in sync. So if you're like, oh no, I need to do something a bit more complicated here, you can then just open the full application and it will work. I just think it's a nice little feature. And like, it's just like a really great way that James has turned a negative into a positive. Oh yeah, this is great. This is fantastic. Super good, I'm right? I'm going to use this a lot. Yeah, very into that. Very into that. 
Okay, my final pick for the lightning round is barely an app. Okay. It's an app called Dark Mode on iOS, and it is an app that installs, but what it really is, is it's one of those extension actions in Safari, and it can force a sort of fake dark mode on a web page in the Safari browser on iOS. Wait, is this and the same thing as the dark mode? No, dark reader. Okay. No, but you, you, you're thinking of the thing on your Mac, right? Which you install and just makes everything a dark mode all the time. By the way, just as a bit of follow-up, yeah, many people wrote in to tell me, if you click the settings button in that dark reader app, you can mm-hmm. uncheck enable on all websites, which is what I wanted. So you can oh. opt in in to things being dark mode rather than opt out oh cool i didn't know that yeah this it's not very clear i mean honestly i didn't even know there was a settings button until until people told me there was one i think i've never thought about it it's got the word (laughs) settings there at the bottom but for some reason i completely missed it so well yeah i would miss that too because i would just be looking for a little gear and it wouldn't matter it could say settings right here (laughs) there's a gear right next to it but the gear's not very clear it's not a clear gear okay that's good to know as far as I can tell, you can't replicate that sort of app on iOS, but this little dark mode app, if there's ever a website like on my iPad where I know I'm going to be reading a bunch of this and the Apple reader mode doesn't properly parse the page, this is always my little fallback where you can hit the share square and there's the dark mode extension button that you can press and i don't know how on earth it does it but then it turns just that web page into a dark mode so i really like that like i said barely an app but boy do i love it when i need it i think you're gonna need to to send me that one because this is not easy to find yeah this this is another one where searching for the words is almost certainly not going to be helpful so i will provide you with the direct link to this little applet i have two last picks for the lightning round one is carrot weather because like timery i feel like i have to mention it carrot weather is just one of the best ios apps ever made continues to get better if you want a weather app this is the one to get and alfred for the mac yeah, yeah, Alfred's nice. It's one of these applications that I use so much that I don't think about it. And so I thought I would mention it. It's so many things. It's a replacement for Spotlight. And I've been using Alfred, I think, before Spotlight existed. So it's mm-hmm. it's got that for me. But it also does so much stuff. Like and one of the things that I really value is it's my clipboard manager as well. So... It keeps my clipboard history when I'm on my Mac. So I can copy and paste multiple things and then go to other fields and just bring up what I need and just drop them all in. But yeah, Alfred is one of these applications. It's like a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, I forget that it's even a clipboard manager. Yep. Like it, do- it does so many so things. So much stuff. One of my main reasons for using it over Spotlight is just a simple feature, which I don't know if it's the... It's like I just have the keyboard commands in my default memory, but it's like if I'm in Finder... And I have a file selected with just a couple of keyboard commands. I can say, oh, open this file in Alfred. And then Alfred gives you a bunch of options of like, hey, what do you want to do with this file? Yeah. And I can say, move it over here. File actions, they're called. in. in, Yes, file actions. It's so great to be able to like act on a file that you have selected in the finder and just... I almost exclusively use it to move things. Like when I'm just going through all the files on my desktop to be able to say like, okay, 
this goes over here, this goes over here, this goes over here. Like, it's just so nice to be able to do that without having to open up the folder and, like, drag and drop stuff over. I use that a lot. Alfred is great. It's got so much stuff. Like, another thing that I use it for all the time is if I need somebody's address or contact information, you can view their contact and copy it really easily from Alfred. But it's one of those apps that you spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes in the preferences for the application, and you will find three things that you didn't know that it did that can make your time on your Mac even more valuable. So that is State of the Apps for 2021. Next time, Yearly Themes. Get thinking about those themes, people. Mm-hmm. 2021 Yearly Themes is coming. See you then.